Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this episode, we're talking about the CTSI Symposium. This annual event is one of the highlights of the year in trading standards. It gives members of the profession and people who work in related fields the opportunity to come together and share ideas, knowledge and advice. This year's event is no different, taking place from the 10th to the 12th of June at the Hilton Brighton Metropole. Symposium 2019 will serve up a packed three days of plenaries, seminars and masterclasses on the big issues confronting trading standards. From scams to Brexit and from the new government white paper to consumer psychology, there's sure to be something to educate and inform delegates from across a whole range of trading standards disciplines, while the exhibition hall will present some of the latest, most cutting-edge products of the consumer protection landscape. For this week's podcast, we spoke to CTSI Chief Executive Leon Livermore and Events and Communications Executive Corinne Layton about the key messages behind this year's symposium, the reasons to attend, and the importance of building strong social connections with colleagues. Uh, hi, I'm Leon Livermore, uh, Chief Executive of the Chartered Trading Standards Institute. And I'm Corinne Layton, the Events Executive at the Chartered Trading Standards Institute. So what are the main highlights of the symposium this year? We've got some really, really exciting new exhibitors that are coming to exhibit with us um, for the first time this year. Um, we're looking forward to welcoming them and showing off our event and introducing them to our profession and so that they can see the benefit of why they should come along. Um, we've obviously got our normal sponsors that um, come along, but we've got Stericycle coming as a bronze sponsor this year, which is fantastic. It's really the best place for the profession to get that update that they need for the biggest issues that are facing the profession. It's it's the biggest training event that we offer as an institute all in one place over a really short period of time and it's an excellent opportunity for them to network with one another. Um, they don't get that opportunity elsewhere so it's, it's really fantastic um, for those that do come along and the feedback that we get is that they do get great benefit from attending the event. So Leon, Karen mentioned the big issues facing trading standards. What what are they and how has the symposium been designed to address them this year? Well, I mean, the symposium is designed to address them, to give us a platform to, I suppose, consider those big issues, both from a professional point of view, mm-hmm. but to, I suppose, take into account those of wider stakeholders. So, for example, on the first day, on the Monday, we've got the Minister, Kelly Tolhurst, coming to speak to us. And it's a particularly key year for consumer protection, leaving Brexit aside, because we're likely to see a, a white paper that sets out the government's vision for the future of consumer protection in the UK. Right. And it's really important not only that we get to hear from the minister, but the minister gets to hear from us because our members and, and our, our professional body have the expertise to help shape government policy in the right way for consumer protection, not just for now, but for, for going forward. And against all the background of all the challenges of austerity, Brexit, um, ever-diminishing resources, that kind of issue. Karen, there's a plenary session on each day. The first one's looking at the introduction of the new white paper you mentioned in relation to the local and national enforcement framework. Perhaps you could talk us through the others. They sound quite interesting. They are. Obviously, there's um, the major regulatory issues um, session that we're holding on the Tuesday is designed to focus our minds on what happens if we have a big crisis. What happens? How do the regulators pull together to overcome those challenges? Do we have the mechanisms in place to make sure that that they're not getting worse than they need to be and escalating? So I think um, it's a really good opportunity to hear from the people that 
trading standards would be affected by. So we've got a representative from the Office of Product Safety and Standards, um, Graham Russell. We've got somebody from the Food Standards Agency. We'll hear from our lead officer for agriculture and animal health um, and also um, a local authority head of service as well. Um, So that will be a really, really interesting one. And then moving on to... Wednesday, where we've got the psychology of consumers. Um, Tim Harford um, is the the speaker um, for the day, a really well-known speaker. He's obviously a big economist and so on. The session basically is to focus the um, delegates' minds on why consumers make the decisions that they make. Um, It's We hear about scams and we hear about vulnerable consumers... But all of us have got the ability to be vulnerable and be um, susceptible to scams. And I think it's it's just making trading standards officers aware why people might fall for the scams because sometimes you just don't understand why people would do that and, and how do the rogues and the criminals get into their minds to make them fall for these scams. So that will be really interesting to hear from him as to how our minds work and why we, because all of us at some point have... Um, fallen for a scam of some description Um, it's why we then fall for these scams. Leon as Karen says there are going to be a few representatives of various different agencies such as the OPSS at the symposium this year what are the benefits of bringing in other enforcement bodies and regulators? I think the first one it just provides a different perspective to to our members because obviously you know we are a small profession um, and we we come together very often through branch meetings, training meetings, and, yeah. and you know the information exchange between ourselves as professionals is pretty good. Yeah. But sometimes you need that voice of maybe a central government department or you know even consumer groups to help you remember you know the context within which we're working. I think the second thing is it gives them an opportunity to see how we work to understand our profession. Because I think sometimes policymakers will make decisions in isolation. So yeah, I've lost count of the number of bits of legislation coming through where government go, oh, all trading standards can do that. and assuming it's just going to be passed out and done. So it's only by bringing them in and getting them to understand the realities of what a frontline service looks like that they can begin to think, well, if this is a key policy issue that we want to be delivered and we want to do that in partnership with trading standards, we need to find the right model to deliver that. So So I think it benefits both sides. Now, some will simply be there as delegates to have a look around. Some with a particular, I suppose, message to give will have a stand and be able to engage like that. We have the smaller sessions that um, people are able to book and you know, they get 60, 70 training standards officers in and they able to go into some depth in a, in a topic that's particularly right. interesting to them. And obviously then we provide a platform on the main plenary session for those where we think it's of interest to our members to have them as part of that debate. So what's the format of the plenary sessions? Are they panel discussions, lectures, or do they tend to vary? They do vary. The first session is going to be more presented um, with some questions and answers at the end. Um, The second, uh, the Tuesday session is going to be more panel debate. And then the Wednesday session is just literally Tim Harford delivering his thoughts around um, consumers' mindsets. How has this symposium changed over the past decades? Have those changes been in response to feedback from attendees? Well, that's quite an easy one for me because I've actually been here a decade. Um, So I've seen symposium or conference, as it was known, uh, mustn't say that word, um, change over the years. Um, We attract different exhibitors year on year. There has been less exhibitors coming forward, so we've scaled back to go for a slightly smaller venue. We like to try and keep everything a bit more compact now so that there's not so much 
walking. I mean, I used to clock up something like 35,000 steps over a day at symposium or conference as it was because the venues were just so large. Um, and we were finding we couldn't pack the um, programme as well as we'd like to because we would need to give people a lot of time between sessions to walk between places and then you might lose people. Um, it was a logistical nightmare. So we're going for venues now that are a lot more compact and, and the rooms are easier to get to for the delegates so yeah that's one of the reasons why obviously um we've changed slightly this year uh, this year and last year in fact i think if i, I mean if i can just add to that i think there's, there's a couple of things i think obviously over the past probably 10 15 years time's become a real currency for people and it's not just the money that someone's paying to to leave an office. It's the fact that you know you take a couple of days out of the office, you have to really justify the value to yourself, not just the employers to yourself. I think the second issue was when we were going for the large venues, it was almost as if we were running an exhibition because we had to get so many exhibitors in to cover our costs and then had a conference on the side. So we discussed with our members through count the council of members what they wanted and, and they gave us a real steer that they wanted the focus to be on learning. Actually, perhaps not the broader kind of engagement stuff that we've done in the past and I suppose to strip back some of the other stuff so that we could focus the team here on delivering the learning outcome. So that was where the model for the new symposium came last year. Uh, one of the reasons we changed, you know, it's a daft thing, but one of the reasons we changed the name from conference to symposium was a number of all local authorities won't let their members go to anything that's called a conference because there's still this sense of a conference is a jolly. Now, despite the fact we don't charge our members for the conference, yeah. you know, which I still think is a hu huge bene benefit, and it was packed full of learning hours. I don't think we put many more learning hours. We've just made it easier for people to get around. The change of the name has enabled some, especially from some of the smaller authorities, to be able to attend because it's now seen, seen as what it should be, a training event. So it, it was kind of, I suppose, a mixture of us just running to stand still in terms of the economics, but also not quite delivering on what, what our members wanted. So we've got a real, real focus on trying to listen to our members about what their learning needs are, try and partner with people. So, for example, this year you'll see in the afternoon we've got three masterclasses on each afternoon from Chambers. And again, that's what our members said they wanted. They, they really enjoyed that and they get a, a high lot of value about that. And because we've now got a little bit more capacity, because it's a smaller event, we're able to go, go and invest a little bit more of our time in the things that members want. So in terms of learning, are the subject areas designed to respond to requests from members about things they feel they need to be more aware of? We do gather feedback from delegates both at the event but kind of our members on an ongoing basis so it's one, one of the challenges we do have with the symposium is because it's free to members um, we're reliant on people paying for the training session so there's a little bit about kind of you, we, we get who who's prepared to pay for it um, but what we have tried to do over the last couple of years is keep some of those sessions so they're available for for us so we can put put things on but also what we can do as well we can take some of that information back here and say well, well whilst we haven't been able to do that at the symposium what we can do is identify a speaker and then let the branches know that there's someone available who can speak on the on this topic so we kind of whilst it is you know i suppose the key event in terms of learning for for the year what we tend to do is try and take the knowledge from that and kind of spread it throughout the year so we're kind of informing local learning plans as well I guess it's very difficult because of the diverse nature of what trading standards do, that there's a topic that covers every single thing that trading standards do on that symposium. Um, a lot of the time, some of the, the requests are for like food safety and so on and so forth, or even animal health. Now, 
Um, we don't often get a lot of people coming along to discuss animal health. And that's not to say that it's not important because obviously it is. Yeah. It's just that it's the way nationally that agri- agriculture and animal health work, it's it's more important in some particular areas and less important than others. So whilst we do try and cover everything, obviously, as Leon said, it's, it's down to what they decide to put on. In terms of the masterclasses, we've got some really, really good themes. Um, we've got ancillary orders and choosing the right add-ons from five paper buildings on the Monday afternoon. We've got a review of sentencing in consumer crime. Is it time for some guidelines from Drystone Chambers on the Tuesday afternoon? And we've got how to deliver the goods, um, investigating postal scams from Gough Square Chambers on the Wednesday. Um, so they're really broad, um, really good sessions, which will, there's um, room for over 300 people to attend each of these sessions. Right. So there's plenty of space for everybody. Nobody needs a ticket. It's rock up get a seat and and learn basically well nationally trading standards is quite spread out i suppose symposium is one of the only times of the year when colleagues who collaborate but don't necessarily get to see each other very often can come together so aside aside from the social aspects of that what are the benefits in terms of knowledge sharing i wouldn't underplay the social aspect of symposium and actually i wouldn't underplay the benefits that that brings because i think sometimes just having a conversation with someone who has a shared experience can lighten the load. And actually, you know, as we're recording this, we're sitting here in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Week. Actually, just, just talking about some of the issues and challenges that you face back in the office can be a, a real tonic. I also think it's about whilst, whilst we have the sessions and to a certain extent they can, they can impart knowledge, there's nothing better than talking to someone about what they're doing because you, you, know, you get that best practice, that sense of you know, this is what's worked in our area. Um, so, so I think I think that that networking at, at a real practitioner level works really, really well. What we also try and do, I suppose, is try and try and kind of create some some formal networking opportunities so people have 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 those opportunities. So, you know, the way we've done catering over the last few years to try and bring people into a central point at central time, so creating space within that. Um, looking at you know you know the Monday night welcome drinks you know the Tuesday night gala dinner but when other compete people can join us towards the end mm-hmm. so we we do try and create the platform for networking because I think it's actually a really valuable experience and a real key part of attending any major event. I think sometimes it's just like Leon said just de- you develop your own ideas from hearing other people's best practice so something might work in one local authority and when they've shared that advice and knowledge and that experience somebody might think actually that's a really good idea it wouldn't work for us but we can develop in a different way so it's just about um, taking those ideas and and making them your own and and developing them further to to work for your authority but if you weren't given that idea in the first place sometimes you wouldn't necessarily think of it yourself and so I think that is really really important Um, often as well a lot of um, the trading standards officers across the uh, countries do actually move around quite a lot. You'll find um, people that one minute work in Brighton then suddenly they find themselves in the north of the country. So you find that that's their opportunity to kind of catch up with older colleagues that that they've previously worked with in in roles. Um, So it is a really, really good opportunity. And actually I had a conversation with one of our seminar session holders who said to me, I really want to go to the dinner this year and I'm going to buy tickets for all of the staff that are attending because I find that networking with people in that informal environment is much more beneficial than trying to network with them in 
the exhibition environment or at the end of a session when everybody wants to ask questions so you can't get that one-on-one time it's not as beneficial so so that social that downtime that informal networking is is just as important as the formal networking as well and presumably that applies to exhibitors as well as trading standards officers yeah definitely and and what we need to remember is that exhibitors that come along are exhibiting because they've got something that's benefiting our profession they don't just come along to just be there they come along to show what the benefits of their product or service are for our profession and they're developing software and and different benefits for for our members all the time obviously most of them will be chargeable but they're still thinking with our profession in mind to in developing those solutions so it's I think it's really important that they do come along and have those opportunities and I think obviously a lot of our exhibitors that do come along are long standing exhibitors they come year on year um i think we've probably got maybe 15 percent new exhibitors this year out of the exhibitors so so it, it goes to show that most of them are previous exhibitors and with the new exhibitors has their profile changed at all over the past few years I probably would say over the maybe the last five years a lot more have been tech based um, and solutions based yeah more so than in the past um but we still we still have the stakeholder exhibitors that come along as well and the brand enforcers so it's not yeah it's not just products it's brand enforcement as well that want to work with trading standards that they come along to show how they can work with trading standards and what they're doing to protect their brand and and stuff like that so i i would say it's probably more technology based that they're the main the bigger um expansion in that area So, Leon, one of the highlights of the whole symposium is the awards ceremony. I think that's on the Tuesday night? It's on the second day. So it starts with the College of Fellows session, the Institute Celebrates Success. And and that's actually become quite a key part of the symposium. I think we introduced it a a few years ago and brought it into, whilst it was always part of the programme, we brought it you know, the main heart of the programme. And it, it does a couple of things. First, it I suppose it gives the right platform for the the new fellows to be inducted. And, you know, that, and that, you know I had a bit of being a fellow myself, you know, that was one of the most proud moments of my career, actually, to be inducted as a fellow into my professional body by my peers, in front of my peers. So that, that was quite, quite important. Uh, the last few years, we've done a college lecture as well, and hopefully they will, they, they will continue to do that. And again, that's a chance for perhaps, you know, them to pass on some of the knowledge to the younger generation, and then I suppose the, the the final part of that is is celebrating the you know the young people in our profession, you know the the students coming through, and we get a chance to obviously it's a graduation ceremony, but also we get a chance to um, give out prizes for those who have scored the the highest marks in particular areas and particular exams, and you know that's you know a couple of people I've spoken to when they've gone and got the got the awards have said yeah, actually they've ended up quite emotional, yeah. and I was chatting to one head of service a couple of years ago, and it's a first time he'd, he'd been to that session and he says I'm going to go to this session every time because it just reminds me of the people we have and why we do it so I mean that's that's become a, a key part and obviously that then goes into the awards dinner in the evening where we don't you know it's not you know we don't want to make it uh, you know a formal stuffy evening where you've got you know where you've got award announced after award but some of the key awards are, are given out there and you know given the fact that some of them now bear the name of some of our departed colleagues you know again it's a fitting platform to remember those people by as well. Presumably it's also a way of keeping the profession forward looking. 
it's an odd thing, isn't it, a, prof- a profession? Because you know you have you have the traditions that you've been built on, but you don't really want them to become a bonfire that you sit around and kind of mourn. Right. So, so that that I suppose that session between the students, the award winners, and the College of Fellows is, is I suppose our attempt to bring it all together in a modern thing. So we so we've got the history, we've got the learning, we've got the knowledge that the College of Fellows brings. We've got you know the symposium, which is you know the here and now, if you like, looking slightly forward, and then we've got the future of our profession in in the the award winners and students so it's, it's our attempt to see how we can have that that conversation so we can build i suppose one vision for our profession going forward right yeah would you agree with that karen um the the awards that we present in the evening are all very much dependent upon the examinations that have been taken obviously right. there's a big restructure of the qualification so that will change going forward but at the moment we're now celebrating this will be the penultimate celebration of or maybe even the final one, of those people that have gone through what we have previously known as the TSQF. So it will we'll celebrate um, those prize winners with the seven awards um, for categories, and we've got two additional awards, which are the Status International Award and the British Hallmarking Council's Touchstone Award. So they're the awards, the nine in total, that we'll, we'll present on the evening of the dinner. Um, in the daytime, we also recognise um, the Chartered Trading Standards practitioners that um, have recently signed up to basically show that they're of a, a certain level, that, that they have got the required CPPD, they've got the knowledge and they're at the top of their, their field basically. So we recognise them in the Institute Celebrate Success session as well. Um, obviously the College of Fellows do a lot with bursaries there's information about that and we normally have information about some of the bursaries that have taken place in that year that's highlighted in that session and that's really really important for our our profession and it can really really benefit some of the people that take up those bursaries so I think that is it is a really good session to understand the work of the college but also recognize the the future of the profession and, and where it's moving to and how many people are really benefiting from what we the institute are putting on for their qualification. So what was behind the choice of Brighton as the location for this year's event? I know it's being hosted by the Southeastern branch. My specification from Leon um, was to have somewhere that was easily accessible um, by most means of transport within three hours from most places in the country. It was very, very difficult. I think we just about managed it for Nottingham, but obviously the feedback that we got was they did like Nottingham, but it was slightly out of town, the location. So the venue itself was perfect for us, but it was a little bit further out of town than maybe some of our um, delegates really enjoyed. Um, There wasn't too much around the centre itself. So we thought, you know, let's indulge them. (laughs) Let's go back to Brighton because they love Brighton. seaside it's it's nice and friendly and um metropolitan so let's go to to brighton and and just have a really nice sunny hopefully in the evenings symposium rain in the day sun in the evenings that there's always a host branch and it's basically geographical as to wherever it is um in the country wherever the um event is situated will be the branch that host so it's a southeastern branch. So, Leon, this year the NTS Scams Conference is overlapping with Symposium. The Scams team, Friends Against Scams and the Consumer Empowerment Alliance, have always run a Scams Conference. And right. uh, over the last few years, it's proved to be a very popular event because obviously more, more as uh, more and more work is done on 
is done on scams, more and more best practice em- emerges. And I, I suppose the challenge is all, all the way through the theme is to how you protect, in particular, older vulnerable people from scams. So there was a request, can can we run it run it in? And we were very, very happy to do that. So in theory, that the scams conference starts after after ours, mm-hmm. after our symposium. But what, what we said is that doesn't make sense. So if you look at the Wednesday, it's a very much an overlap day, yeah. which is why we've asked Tim Harford to come and give us a lecture about the psychology of scams, yeah. where the masterclass fits straight into the theme of scams and starting looking about how you prosecute. And then I suppose the rest the rest of that day into the Thursday will be focusing and looking at. Um, Interventions that help people protect themselves, and I think that you know that isn't that the holy grail. You know, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic not to need you know people protecting people from scams because people are able to do that themselves? Unfortunately, you know, as Corinne, as Corinne said, you know, we we all move in and out of vulnerability. So again, it's really important that we have the right intervention at the right time, and you know, work, working together with, with you know the scams team, I think that we're able to put on a really support them put on a really really good event and I've just you know, actually funny enough the agenda's just come out today and I've seen it and you know it is it is a really packed agenda with you know lots of really high quality speakers and uh, good information exchange so it's really important that we try and work together so again you know coming back to the the idea of uh, time being currency if we can condense our bits around scams to the back end of our symposium it then means people only have to come down for two days and they can get the whole the whole benefit of our work around scams as well as the scams teams and presumably there's a benefit to involving as many different people as possible to get plenty of different perspectives yeah i, I mean if you, if you look at the you know the front line of most of our work it doesn't sit in our offices it doesn't you know in many respect it doesn't actually sit with our officers work it, you know it's it you know the, it sits at it sits at the checkout it sits in the store it sits you know it sits behind the bank clerk it sits in someone's home and you're really only going to be able to bring people on that journey especially i suppose the empowerment journey where you're trying to encourage people to to take steps to protect themselves if you if you understand that person's circumstances so you can give them advice and interventions in, in context and more importantly you're engaging with those that either are looking after them and caring for them but also those that are serving them so a real big key element of this is work with financial institutions right. and again you know you know the team's done a massive amount of work on that and this just provides another platform to highlight that is there going to be much um, brexit related content at this year's event um we've got three sessions taking place yeah. over three days um four symposium called eu exit a trading standards perspective um, there will be a focus mainly on intellectual property and product safety, but that's because the speakers are experts in those areas. There will be a general policy overview as well at the sessions. Um, I think in terms of the seminar session holders themselves, there will be some elements of Brexit within their presentations that they're giving, having a look at some of the titles and some of the descriptions right. that are available online at the moment, um, you'll see that there is a Brexit impact in in some of those um, talks that they'll be putting on for, for you. But we've also got um, a Brexit or an EU exit, I don't quite know, stand <laughs> at Symposium. So there will be an exhibition stand right. um, okay. with um, staff and details and it all links into the um, Cutting EU Ties booklet that was produced by ourselves um, as a result of the uh, Brexit think tank. It's one of those things, isn't it? You know, we could wait and wait and wait and then, you know, the gun will go and at the last minute we'll be rushing around. So we're trying to trying to use the work of the think tank as much as possible to, I suppose, overlay and, and help people in their preparations and begin to think about sorts of legislative changes they might 
they might have come in. But for us, I suppose this is just the start of that training and development work, and it links with, uh, I suppose, a longer-term piece we're hopefully doing with central government around making sure that our members are equipped to support both businesses and consumers in the event of whatever shape of Brexit we got. I just think it's, you know, even this close to symposium, we haven't got that clarity. So, so it is more about highlighting the work of the think tank, what what that means, and and some of the you know the main possible scenarios. Now, if we get any cl- more clarity before symposium, we can then begin to consider that, and obviously we can feed that probably into the main plenary on on the Monday, which is meant to be hot topics. But at, at the moment, it, it's yeah, it's probably about as much as we can do to use the work of the think tank to start underpinning our training and development work on it. So finally, what would you say to anybody who's considering coming to this year's event but might be unsure whether it's a good use of their time? I mean, if you've been before, then I don't think you'll be hesitant about wanting to go again, if I'm in all honesty. Um, the feedback that we get is generally really, really good. Very, people are very positive. They can find a lot of a variety of learning in one place over a short period of time. If you are unsure, take a look at the programme. There's so much on offer for everybody and it covers... A whole variety so to have a look see plan your visit um, take a look at the program see which plenaries really appeal to you look at the master classes and then the seminar sessions and then you can have a look at which exhibitors you might want to engage with we've got a list of exhibitors available online together with the seminar sessions the master classes and the plenaries speaker biogs and everything um, if your employer is unsure about sending you Build yourself a portfolio of why you need to be there. By all means, if you've got contacts in in local authorities, start planning meetings with them. We've got a meeting area available for people to book um, half an hour slots. So if you want to have an informal kind of meeting with people, there's a space for you to do that. There's plenty of tables and chairs so that you can sit down and do a bit of work if needs be um, in amongst it all. So, yeah, don't miss it. Yeah, I I, un, I understand how how busy everyone is, you know. But yeah, we're we're a profession that looks at the competence of people who make decisions and do things on behalf of consumers. So the starting point is, you know, our, our members and our professionals should be that. You know, they should be competent. They should understand the context of, of what they do. Also, as I said earlier, you know, it, it's sometimes just taking time out of your busy schedule to share to come and see what's going on, to, to, to learn, but also to impart your knowledge, I, I think, is, is really important. And I suppose the, fin- the final thing is it, it's, it's a fun one, actually. I, you know, I, go, I, go, I go to a few other people's events, and I suppose there's, 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 a, there's uniqueness about ours. You know, and we, do, you know, we, have a, we have a laugh, you know, and we enjoy each other's company. Even even the exhibitors now feel part part of our kind of our family, and you know they are good friends to us. So you know I, I would encourage people to come, get, get, you know give it a go. If you don't like it, don't come next year. You know after all, you know it is free to members. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks to Leon Livermore and Corinne Layton for speaking to us, and thank you for listening. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with more insight into the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast, or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to madetomeasure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.